It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. You know, it's nice to just kick back and relax for a little bit because the Blue Jackets, after finishing the four-game homestand yesterday, don't play again until Thursday night in Carolina. Now, the homestand itself, a bit of a mixed bag, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. And yesterday, it ended with a 2-1 to shootout loss to the Dallas Stars. I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. And also, I will get to your questions on this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. But let's talk about them right now. At Telhio Credit Union, they started putting people over profits way back in 1934. That means they've done it for a long time. It just is really who they are. It's what they do. It's how they conduct business and they take care of their customers. Now, if you're not one of their customers, why not? That's a question you need to ask yourself. And the answers are right there in front of you at telhio.org. The answers to what services do they have? What perks do they have that you might not get where your money is right now? How can they help you with your everyday banking, whether it be personal or whether it be business? Why is joining a credit union better than being at a regular bank? All the answers are right there, right in front of you. So you should ask yourself, why be with just a normal bank when you can be with a credit union that will put you ahead of everything? Telhio Credit Union. Find them on the web at telhio.org. All right, let's go through this. Yesterday, a disappointing end to the series against the Dallas Stars. Of course, Saturday afternoon, the Blue Jackets were able to score themselves an overtime victory over the Stars. Zach Wierenski scored with four and a half seconds left in the overtime period to give the Blue Jackets the win and the all-important second point in the game. Yesterday, same type of a game. It was one to nothing after Joe Pavelski scored on a tip from right near the top of the crease area. And the Blue Jackets were down one to nothing until the third period. Zach Wierenski scores again. This time it ties the game. And regulation didn't decide it. Team went into overtime. And I know there are some people that have angst over overtime. And you're going to hear about some of it in just a bit here. But the Blue Jackets, again, played well in the overtime. Both teams had really good chances. Both goalies made big saves when they needed to. And the overtime didn't decide it. So it went to a shootout. And, you know, I I mentioned this, and maybe it was a kiss of death. Maybe I should blame myself. No, I don't think so. But I said in the previous shootout that the Blue Jackets had three shooters. Only one of the three put the puck on net. And the other two, trying to make moves, lost control of the puck. Look, I know the shootout is a skills competition, and I know that there are some people that think the game shouldn't be decided with it, whatever. But wouldn't you think that most shooters, and it is true, most shooters are going to put the puck on net, right? Especially when you can send out some really skilled guys. They're going to put it on net. Well, Cam Atkinson let off for the Blue Jackets, and he didn't put it on net. He tried to take a slap shot and catch Jake Ottinger the goaltender for Dallas off guard, but he missed the net. Didn't work out. I don't mind him changing it up. He has the shootout move. He knows that goalies have seen it. They've studied it. He knows he has to change it up sometimes. He tried to do that, and he missed the net. Okay. Dallas shoots. They missed the net. 
Patrick Laine's up next. He comes down. You know what he did? Missed the net. Dallas sends their next guy down. Misses the net. Or didn't know. I take that back. Did Maybe Corpus Allo made the save. Whatever. Yeah, I, I think it was three of the first four missed the net. So sorry about that. Anyway, um, then Max Domi goes. Now, Domi, red hot, four points in two games. Skating well, skating confident. Comes down, tries to go high. Maybe that was the book on the goaltender. I don't know. But he shoots it over the crossbar and off the glass. They all three miss it. And then Alexander Radulov, who just come back from an injury, comes down the ice, puts it behind Corpusalo, and that's the end of the game. So frustrating, yes. They need that extra point, yes, they do. Is it the end of the world? No. Are they playing better? That's the bottom line. Did you see better structure, better play in the last couple of games? I did. So I hope you did too. And I'm not making excuses for them. You know me better than that by now. But, you know, Zach Wierenski looks like Zach Wierenski. Seth Jones is looking like Seth Jones again. Max Domi looks like the guy that you traded to get from Montreal. Jack Roslevic all of a sudden has found some new life with Domi and Atkinson on his line. So there are positives. And I know it's, it's still frustrating because, look, when you're – so we're halfway through the season, right? 29 games in, whatever, 29, 30 games in. In a normal season, you would still have 52 games left. So all these things you're trying to iron out, and it takes you 30 games, and you would still have 52 games to figure it out, and this year you don't. All right, fact of the matter. Again, I'm not making excuses. I'm telling you facts. This is a fact. Time is short. Much more focus on everything. John Tortorella has talked about the need to teach again. I don't know if you saw my pregame interview with him the other day. I said to him flat out, I said, the way you're talking after games and before games, it sounds like when you first got here six years ago, you're talking about teaching. And he said, yeah, let's be honest. That's where we are. That's where we are. There are enough new people in there. We're teaching again. Okay. And that's honest and that's fair. So, you know, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to answer a lot of your questions and I'm going to tell you right away when that game ended against the Florida Panthers the other night, the one where the Blue Jackets had a four to one lead in the third and watched it disappear and lost the game once they got into the overtime. Well, I got questions, bang, 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 right away. So I'm going to start with those questions. I'm not going to duck them. I'm not going to say, hey, look, they've played better since then. I won't address them. I'm going to address them. And, and I want you to hear them. I want you to hear them, whether I'm reading or whether people are speaking for themselves, it doesn't matter. I, I want you to hear what they have to say. And then we'll go from there. We'll just take this one step at a time, okay? But I, I'm just prefacing that what I'm going to do first, I got after the most disappointing loss of the year, blowing a three-goal lead in the third period, okay? All right, here we go. Let's start with Ethan, who says, I'm writing this immediately following the Thursday night game. In my opinion, there's absolutely no excuse for giving up a four to one lead in the third. I haven't been this upset with the team in a while. My question is, are we tanking? I don't like the idea of playing poorly just to get a good draft pick. And I'm not convinced that is what we're doing. However, if that is what Torch and Yarmo have decided, 
It would help me to deal with the frustration a lot more if they would just come out and say it. How are we doing this poorly? When we signed Roslevic and Line, I felt the team could make a run in the playoffs. I'm tired of hearing the excuse that we are playing bad because players can't go get a beer and get to know each other. That can't be the reason for this year's problems. Okay, I'm done ranting. Feel free to set me straight if you disagree. I don't disagree. And, and again, the, uh, the excuse about going to get a beer, it's not an excuse. It, that's a fact. It's a, it's a smaller piece of the puzzle. I get it. You know, I'm not saying if they could just go out to dinner and if every bar was open and they could go out as a group, man, they would just be, they'd just be kicking everyone's rear end every night. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's another hurdle on the way to getting to where you want to be. They're not tanking. They're not. And I feel confident enough to tell you if that was the case, they would say it. They wouldn't say tank. They would say we're in a rebuild. That's what they would say. This team is not in a rebuild right now. This team still has its core. They added pieces. They lost important pieces. Can we all just acknowledge that? Okay. You know, whatever happened with Pierre-Luc Dubois, for whatever reason he wanted to leave. And you can be mad at him if you want to, and you have every right to be. But that was a big piece of this team that is out and left once the season began. It wasn't last offseason. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't when they had time to really absorb it and then fix it. It's still not fixed. The position of center is not fixed. But that's a big loss. Josh Anderson had one goal last year. I get it. But it's a big loss because he had 27 the year before. You see what he's doing now for Montreal. Those are big losses. What is wrong with us? Well, you lost two huge pieces. And then the guys that you replaced them with are struggling. Domi up until the last two games. Struggles. You look at that trade. If you had to evaluate that trade today and say who won, who lost, not even a question. It's not even close to being even for crying out loud. Right? But that's today. Over the long term, will that change? I don't know. We'll find out. If Max gets his confidence, and I'm telling you, he's skating with it now, then you have a chance. Line has had no confidence. And oh, and you'll you'll hear who gets blamed for that in just a minute. But that's it. What? Why are they playing this poorly? Because they have a bunch of pieces that are not meshing. They're not fitting together. It happens at times with teams. Now, who do you point the finger at? Who do you blame? Well, that's all up for debate. But... The pieces aren't fitting in this puzzle right now. Well, maybe after the last two days, maybe they're starting to, to fit a little bit better. Maybe somebody trimmed the edges of those pieces. Maybe they're not so jagged. Maybe they're getting more smooth and they're going to fit in the puzzle. We'll see. We'll see. But, Ethan, that's that's what's going on here. And, and that's no excuses. And there's no – you're not playing for a top draft pick. I mean, for crying out loud, that is that is not it. That's That's not what's going on here, just so you know that. Uh, what else? Let me go to, I, I'm going to save the best one of these for last. Zook from Cleveland has given out a mid-season report card, and he gives the Blue Jackets a D. First of all, Zook, this isn't a knock on you, but I hate report cards. I, I just, maybe it's because I never really got good ones when I got them. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Could be. But, I'm not a fan of these, but you did it, and I'm going to respect it, and I'm going to read through it, and I'm going to listen to your thoughts, okay? Um, Zook says, I only give them a D because 
There are teams with much better rosters than ours that are playing a lot worse, like Vancouver and the New York Rangers, who get straight Fs. So you graded everybody in the league. You didn't just... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yarmo gets an F for the makeup of this roster. Our center depth is straight up a joke. Max Domi, Josh Anderson trade is a disaster. Like I just said, if you were to evaluate it today, that's that's what you would say. It's not a today trade. It is over the years trade. Okay. This team is two or three years away from a rebuild. This group is going nowhere. Sign line A and Seth Jones, please. Going to have to trade Jones this offseason for the best center and defense prospect that you can find. Flip line A and Corpusalo next year for the same and hope the young Russians can lead us to the promised land. And that is five years out. Tex Ollie Elvis and Zach Wierenski wearing championship rings by 2026. Can't wait. So that's what Zook says. Um, I like the championship rings part. I don't know if I like, I'm not going to say I don't know. I'll tell you, I don't like the other parts of that. And I'm not saying that you're completely wrong on that with what you may have to do. Look, Seth Jones is a unrestricted free agent after next year. What's he going to do? You're going to have to find out. This summer, you'll find out. And if it looks as though he wants to explore elsewhere for whatever reason, which I'm sure that many of you will say that would be torts and you would all be wrong. But if if perhaps he wants to look somewhere else, then my opinion, I don't think you can sit and do the thing you did with Panarin and Bobrovsky. And, yeah, because at that point, I think you have to approach it like uh, Zook says here. Okay, but we don't know that yet. We have no idea. You know, Seth Jones, he's a true pro and the whole nine yards. The more pressing things are, you know, what's going to happen with the rest of this year? What are you going to do with a guy like David Savard, Nick Foligno, who are unrestricted free agents coming up at the end of this season? Uh, Michael Delzato, that's another guy. You think the teams don't have uh, interest in him if they're going to the playoffs? I bet they do. I know they do. No doubt. So, so anyway, that's Zook's report card. A D, a D, thanks to the Rangers and the Canucks, or else it'd be worse. Um, let's see, Corey in Cincinnati. Corey says, not a question, but just a note, as many fans like me are probably disgusted by this team's performance in overtime as of late. It seems to be an automatic L every time. Again, remember, this came after Thursday. This was prior to the last two days. Keep that in mind. Uh, Corey says last year, they actually lost 15 games in overtime, which led the league and ties for third place all time. And then they follow up this year with six overtime losses already make it seven as of yesterday in an abbreviated season, right at the halfway mark. And that's currently second in the league. I felt that last year they were on pace for a record of overtime appearances. So I looked it up and while I couldn't find out the all time record for appearances by my count, the blue jackets went to overtime or a shootout a staggering 23 times. And remember, last season had 12 canceled games. I know we all remember the five-overtime heartbreaker to the Lightning, as well as three additional overtime games in last year's playoffs. I know our power play has been better this year, but when you look at some of the other special teams numbers, something needs to change. You've got to think some of these things tie together. I think this is maybe where we miss the bread man the most. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. It is, again, not an excuse. Facts, Denver facts is what they is. Artemi Panarin was extremely talented in those overtimes. 
He would take control. He'd stay out there for two and a half minutes. Take control of it. Remember? I know you remember. You have to remember. Because going to overtime is like, all right, Seth Jones, Artemi Panarin, Pierre-Luc Dubois, we're going to end this thing in maybe a minute or less. That's how it was. Get possession, you have a chance to end the game right then and there. It's not the case anymore. Rosters change, talent changes, and now you're left with something completely different. You don't practice overtime. It's three on three for crying out loud. So you kind of take it as it comes. And sometimes it comes okay, and sometimes it's just uh, the toughest thing in the world for you. All right, so all of that, I wanted to lead up to this. That was all after blowing a three-goal lead in the third period against the Florida Panthers on Thursday, prior to Dallas's arrival for Saturday and Sunday games, all right? But that doesn't even come close to the frustration you're going to hear in just a second. Because my man Cameron, and he has been critical as of late. Yes, he has. But he is stepping it up a notch right here. Here you go. Hey, Bob. This is Cameron Maynard in Belfort, Kentucky. Listen, I don't care what anybody says. It is time for torts to go. All right? Everybody on Facebook saying it. And I speak for all Blue Jackets fans when I say that. It is time for torts to go. You know, I know it's Thursday night just after a game and the money mailbag is until next Monday. But, you know, still, though, even if the Blue Jackets win these next two games, it's not going to affect how I feel about John Tortorella. I was a fan of, you know, I've always been a fan of him. You know, I mean, he brought us the playoff series win against Tampa. That was great. But are you really going to play Patrick Laine two minutes and 20 seconds of the third quarter, letting the Panthers come back to tie the game and then win it in overtime? Like, are you serious, John Tortorella? Like, that just that just boils my blood. I am so ticked off at John Tortorella right now. You know, he scores a goal in the second period or whenever it was, and then he gets benched immediately after that. That That's, you know, that's a big reason or probably the main reason why Columbus can't get the top free agents, why top players don't want to sign here, you know, why players like Dubois and other star players want out. You know, I, I, I'm just I'm just so frustrated with John Tortorella. I've always been a fan of his, but this is going too far. Everybody on Facebook is saying that, that they want him to be fired, that his bullying antics are getting old, and that he's worn out his welcome, and I totally agree with him. I totally agree with him, okay? I mean, it I mean, this is just BS right here. It's just it, it's just total BS and it, it, it's time for Torts to go now. You know, Patrick Laine, for any other team, he would have been brought in to for one reason, and that's to help the team score goals and to help the team win games. Torts brought in, or, you, you know, we traded for Patrick Laine, and all Torts has done since then is bully him around and push him around. And, you know, even if that, you know, even if it does mean getting a coach who has less of a resume than, than John Tortorella does. Even if it does involve doing something like the Nashville Predators did, firing Peter Laviolette, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, and then hiring John Hines, then so be it. I mean, this is just inexcusable what Torts did to Patrick Line tonight. I look forward to you addressing this, and, you know, I, I, I'd say you probably understand my frustration because this is just ridiculous, you know. And, and also, he didn't even get any time in overtime. 
you know, Max Domi and Nick Foligno out there in the ice in overtime. You know, no Bjorkstrand, who, was, who, who had already scored two goals in the game. Line A and Bjorkstrand are not on three-on-three in overtime. I mean, that's that's coaching right there. That and benching Patrick Line for all of the third quarter virtually is bad coaching, and that is an indictment on John Tortorella, and he needs to go now. I look forward to you to, to seeing what you have to say about this. Thanks, Bob. Well, Cameron, that was something. Um, first of all, you know, if you are with this Monday mailbag uh, almost every week, you know that Cameron is, again, he's very opinionated and he's a very good participant in this mailbag show. So I look, Cameron, this is why I talk about the 24-hour rule you know, wait a day before you do it because you did that right after the game and you were pissed. And I get it. We all were. We all were. So I do understand your frustration. I'll start with that. Now, I'm going to dissect what you just went through right there. And there are a couple, to me, there are a couple of detriments to this argument that you were making, all right? And this is not the first time that you've said that you were a big fan of torts, but now he's got to go because now just all is bad. But listen to me. The first part of the argument that you make or, or, or the uh, so one of the sources that you cite beside your own eyes is everybody on Facebook is saying it. Whoa, well. If everybody on Facebook is saying it, it must need to come true because there is nothing on Facebook, Twitter, any of those things. I was going to say Instagram, but that's just pictures, basically Snapchat's pictures. So nothing on social media that is said should ever be argued with that when, when the masses speak on social media, whatever they say must be true, right? No. Like to me, and, and Cameron, if you don't know this about me by now from being a fan of this show, I'm just going to spell it right out for you. In situations like this, if everybody on Facebook is saying it, I'm pretty much going to go in the other direction because I think I've got a better grasp than the people on Facebook. I'll just tell you. You're entitled to your opinion. I get it. All of you on Facebook are entitled to go and, entitled to go into your groups and write your things that you want to write. I get it. You pay for your tickets. That's that's fine. But again, inner workings, you don't know. Well, I talked to the uh, the cousin of the equipment manager's sister's whatever, and he said, like, come on. Come on. Don't give me Facebook. If you're going to argue a point, Cameron, in life, don't use Facebook as a source. I don't recommend it because most rational people will shut off whatever you have to say when they hear everybody on Facebook says, boom, done. I listen to the rest. It's amazing. I wanted to be done, but I respect you. So I listen to the rest. The other thing is you keep bringing up this Nashville firing Peter Laviolette for John Hines. Why? Why do you bring that up as an example? When Nashville is behind the Blue Jackets in the standings this year, when Nashville went to the expanded playoffs last year and got knocked out in four games against Arizona, why do you cite that? Well, Peter Lavioletti did such great things. What did John Hines do? 
since he has stepped in, what has he done? And I'm not pointing the finger at John Hines. That's a roster problem. It's not a coaching problem. That's a roster problem. What's going on here is a roster problem. Now, you say he's bullying Patrick Lyonet. He's bullying him around. He's pushing him around. How do you know that? How do you know? Are you in there? Have you talked to Patrick Lyonet? Have, have you, do you have eyewitnesses to this bullying? What is bullying? Because he put him on the bench. Did you know? Did you know? And if you did, you left it out of this argument because it wouldn't fit your narrative. Patrick Line was minus two in that game. Do you know what that means? He scored a goal and he was minus two. Do you know what that means? That means he had two times he was out there and they scored against the Blue Jackets. One time he didn't get the puck beyond the line, the blue line. Okay? He had some responsibilities. I asked John Tortorella prior to the Dallas game on Friday. I put this out. Go back to the CBJ Radio SoundCloud page. Go wherever you get this podcast. Go back. Go back to Friday and listen to the interview. I asked him specifically, why did you not play line A in overtime? He talked about why he didn't play in the last seven minutes. And I said to him, well, I, I thought maybe the end of the third period would be a defining line and you'd play him in the overtime, but you didn't. And what he said to me was, Jonathan Uberdo and Alexander Barkov came out there, and now he's worried about trying to check them, trying to play defense against those guys. Now, you can take that one of two ways. You can say, oh, well, that makes plenty of sense because, you know, he didn't feel Line A was playing well enough. He was going to be able to hang with those guys, and if he can't cover those guys, they're going to come open and probably score a game-winning goal, okay? Or you can say, does that mean a coach was playing – Instead of playing to win, he was playing not to lose. And you would have an argument there. That's a hell of a lot better argument than Facebook. Okay? So I asked him about it. Go back and listen to it. If you want to find out his reasoning, go back and listen to what he says. You don't have to listen to what I say. But this whole it's easy to fire the coach thing, just like your Nashville example, Peter Laviolette wasn't having success with that roster. John Hines came in. He's not having success with that roster. It's not always the coach. Is John Tortorella going to coach here until the day he dies? No. Is he going to coach here, uh, you know, until the franchise ceases to exist because of some, I, I don't know, global event? No. My point is, whether John Tortorella stays or goes, I don't think it fixes this problem. And you talk about bringing in a guy with a lesser resume. That's fine. That's fine. You can do that. Do you do that now? Is that going to change anything now? No, I don't think it is. I think the only potential agent for change with this group is John Tortorella. I was talking to somebody earlier in the week. I'll just making calls around, picking people's brains in the league. And somebody told me that, um, you know, the leadership group here, they, they told me, I should say it this way. They told me they heard the leadership group here is very loyal to John Tortorella and they don't want him to go. And that is true. I believe that is true from talking to the players that I have. And I, I haven't just come out and said, are you loyal to John Tortorella? Would you do anything to keep John Tortorella is your head coach. I haven't done that, 
that I have been around these guys. I think I know them. I know I know them. And they do feel that way. And they should feel that way for him. Now, when it gets to the end of the year, if he decides he doesn't want to come back, if he wants to uh, not have another contract or if they don't want to give him another contract, that's another decision for – that's another discussion for another day. Okay? And that's a different type of discussion. This discussion we're having based on what you said is just – I know you're mad. I get it. I know you're mad. But back it down a little bit. If teaching needs to be done, who's going to do it better than him? You're going to bring in some coach. And oh, now you could say, well, is, is his teaching of uh, the way he plays, is it going to continue under somebody else? And again, that would be a fair argument. But I don't know what the answer is because I haven't looked on Facebook. Thanks, Cameron. All right. What else do I have today? What else do I have? I've got a. I got a couple more here. And, oh, and by the way, Cameron, one more thing. I'm going to finish this one with something that you're going to get. You're going to get information. I don't know if you're going to get the answers to what we were just talking about, but you're going to hear from John Tortorella. And I want you to listen to what he says, word for word, what he says when that happens. See if you get anything out of it. And then you let me know. I mean that. All right. Uh, where else do I want to go here? I want to go I'm going some different directions here before we're done on this Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and 30. I love doing these. I love it. I, you know, it's, it's almost like when uh, the frustrations build in some ways, it's more fun. Some ways, not always. All right, let's get another, uh, let's get another live question here. Hey, Bob, this is Grant from Magnolia, Ohio. As this season continues and seems to be slipping through our fingers, I keep going back to something you and Jody mentioned a few weeks ago regarding the Blue Jackets figuratively having one foot in the Eastern Conference and the other foot in the Western, especially with the makeup of this present division. From seasons past, I still think of the Jackets as that hardworking, blue-collar, heavy-style Western team and how much that seemed to benefit them when they first moved over to the East. There have been glimmers when the Jackets have finished some checks and games this season with some consecutive hits thrown and landed, and each time I get nostalgic for that style of play, hoping it could be the spark that this team needs. Now, I know we don't have the same lineup and are missing the big bodies of Anderson and PLD, but this team isn't a bunch of shrimps either. And full disclosure, I haven't been able to watch each and every game from the past week, but I've either seen highlights or heard your call. So on that, I'm wondering what your take is, especially as a fan of old-time hockey, on that style of play for this particular group of players. Does this roster suit that style of game, finishing more of their forechecks, backchecks, and tossing in some open hits for good measure? And if the answer is yes, could playing like that be the change that helps this Jackets team hit their strides on the back half of the season and hopefully push for the postseason? Thanks, Bob. I'll hang up and listen. Well, Grant, thanks. Uh, Appreciate the question. Appreciate you being part of the show for the first time, I believe, right? So uh, thanks. Thanks for sending your question in. to answer your question, I think the roster is a mixed bag. Nick Felino can forecheck. Boone Jenner can forecheck. Forechecking is one thing. Getting in and getting pressure is one thing. The big hits, those are a different thing. So I'm just going to answer it like this. When you say, and you're looking back toward old-time hockey, can this roster play in that way? No, I don't think so. Again, individuals, could Jenner? Yes. Felino, Yes. You go beyond Savard? Yes. Gavrikov, to an extent, yes. 
Um, Delzato, yes, I think. I, I know he's a skilled defenseman, but, you know, he's 30 years old now. He's been around for a long time. If he had to do it, I'm sure he could do it. But listen, the old-time hockey way is no more for the most part. Let me tell you what I would do if I was a GM. And I always tell you I don't want to be a GM, and I still hold true to that. But if I was, if somebody said to me, you're just too doggone smart for us not to make you a GM, I would agree, and I would say, okay, I'll be the GM. But here's what I would do. And cringe if you want to, but I swear this is what I would look to do. I would look for Tom Wilson-style players. You know what I mean? I'm talking about guys that can play physical, that can fight, that can skate, and can score. Now, they don't grow on trees. And you might say to me, well, Josh Anderson was one of those guys, and you'd have a great point. Now, he was not as edgy as Tom Wilson. I wish he was. I think he would be a, a bigger star, especially in this market. He would have been an even bigger star if he was. And I said that a million times on this show. How many times I say, when Tom Wilson got that last big contract, I said, if I'm Josh Anderson, I'm playing like that. I'll get that money if I play like that. There's a comparable now. I can play like that. I can get my money. He still got money. And he didn't get it here, unfortunately. But here's the deal. Um, I would build that kind of a roster. And I'll tell you why. Because the league went from being big and tough to being smaller and faster. Small, skilled, fast. Okay? Small, skilled, speed. Three S's. But... If you could get those kind of players, and again, they've got to be able to play the game. I understand that. You just can't get, you can't go back to the days where you bring in guys that can't skate and can't keep up with people or this does no good. But if you got one of those guys, a Tom Wilson type player, that will, that'll get you somewhere in today's league. Get two of those guys. That'll get you much further. If you could get three of those guys, you will scare the pants off of most teams in this league today, I think. I think the next team that decides to go in that direction is going to have great success. And that's why if I was a GM, I'd do it now. I would start looking now. I would start doing it right now because you'll be ahead of the curve and you know, it's a copycat league. So as soon as you're doing it and you're winning, everybody else is going to say, Oh man, we need those kind of players again. And then you're going to have, and I'm not even advocating the fighting about it. I'm just talking about, you know, keeping guys honest and, uh, big hits and in physical games, just like you said, physical games. That's what I would do. That's what I would start looking for right now. I wouldn't look, I, I don't listen. I'm going to single this guy out. It's not fair. And I'm not, I'm not saying it to pick on him. I'm just thinking the type of player. I wouldn't care about an Emil Bemstrom. I'd get a Tom Wilson. I'd get two Tom Wilsons. I, I, I would trade a, uh, and when I say trade, I don't mean like make a trade because this would never happen. But I, I would take a, I'd take a, a, a Bemstrom and a Foodie, and I would flip them for a Tom Wilson and a Ryan Reeves. I'll just say that because Ryan's in the league and he and he plays well. He can hang with people too. I, you would scare the pants off the other teams. One thing I never understood about the Penguins, you know, they were worried about. Crosby, they, they could never have an answer to Tom Wilson in the division. And then they go out and they get Ryan Reeves to protect Crosby. And then they don't use him, and then they trade him. I never got that. Vegas seems to be okay with him there. Seems to be. That's what I would do. So, again, the answer to the question is, is this roster built for that? No. But that's what I would build a roster for, not just because I'm – of the old mindset, 
What is old is new again. Don't forget that. And it's going to happen. It is going to happen. Who's going to do it first? Who's going to be the trailblazer? I would want to be that trailblazer because I enjoy that style of hockey. And I know, I know it would be effective because there are guys that would be so scared to death about getting hit. They'd make mistakes. They'd screw stuff up all over the place. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. All right. <laughs> that, you know, just thinking about it, I'm like, man, if you had three of those guys. And again, there right now there's probably not three guys in the league. But start looking. The athletes are bigger and faster and stronger than ever right now. Right? Bigger and faster and stronger. So they're if they're not out there now, they're coming. They're coming. Guarantee you. All right. Next question. Here we go. Hi, Bob. Waldo Pepper from Indianapolis, Indiana. Sure was a frustrating way to end the weekend, but at least things are looking better for the Jackets, and uh, you're doing your usual fantastic job, and I really do appreciate that. I keep thinking about the shot earlier in the week that Patrick Laine shot that hit Bobrovsky right in the middle of his face mask. It must have been something to see. I didn't have the pleasure of seeing a video of it, but anyway, it gave me memories from my very first hockey game when I was a little boy. It was for the Indianapolis Racers of the old WHA. The goalie was Andy Brown, who I was told was the last pro goalie not to wear a mask. I was too young at the time, don't really remember anything, didn't mean anything to me. But anyway, the question I have might have the shortest answer you've ever given, but I'm curious if you ever talked to any old goalie uh, from those maskless days, or if you, you know, have any stories to share from those days, because it sure sounds fascinating to me. But, you know, anyway, short of that, I mean, how do you think that players of the past compare to today's players when it comes to toughness or bravery there on the ice? I mean, today's athletes are definitely better conditioned, stronger, but I'm not sure they can handle a rougher game. Just be curious to your thoughts on that. Thanks, Bob. Waldo, thank you. Thanks for checking in. It's good to hear from you again. Uh, I'll take your questions in order. I haven't talked to any goalies from that era, but one guy that I should talk to, and I see him, not this year, but during regular season, I see him so many times, and I just need the next time to go down and and uh, introduce myself and shake his hand and talk to him. Uh, Eddie Johnson from the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who was, you know, he was – He's been everything. He's been a coach. He's been a GM. He's now a, a special assignment guy uh, because he was one of those goaltenders. He was one of those guys that uh, didn't wear a mask. And uh, I do, I do need to talk to him. That is, that is something that is on my bucket list. And, uh, and I need to do it. So when I do that, when I do that, I will, uh, I will get back to you on that, Waldo. I can promise you that right now. Um, because it was, it's amazing to think that they even did it, right? That they played without a mask on. Now, of course, the sticks were flat then. They weren't curved. And, you know, he couldn't lift the puck as easily. So that made it much more dangerous once all of that changed, when the equipment changed. But, but uh, it's crazy. But, yeah, Eddie Johnston is somebody I want to talk to about that, about those times and what it was like and, and what he sees today, you know, how different it is. The, the technical style of goalies today is, you know, ridiculous. We were um, playing a highlight in the building the other day. Uh, the um, 
top 20 saves in franchise history. And Martin Prusak was the goalie for the Blue Jackets. And go watch that video and look at his form. That looks nothing like today's goalie. And that was not that long ago. I mean, it was, uh, well, I don't know. It was mid-2000s. You look at it. Look at look at the stance, and oh, it's it's, it's not that way. Not even close anymore. So uh, that that's a good question. That's a good question. And at some point, I will follow up on that one for you. The other question you had, comparing the players. Listen, today's players are much better conditioned. Uh, they are stronger. They are faster. They can do more things. But to answer your question, they're softer. There's no doubt they are softer. They are not. Uh, they can't hold a candle to those old time guys as far as, you know, the pain that they would play through and, uh, you know, the things that they would put their body through during the course of a season. And, and the, uh, the treatment today is much better too, but there's, there's no way you can compare all you want to. If you're comparing skill, today's player uh, is a winner hands down. If you're comparing heart and grit to me, it's not a comparison. It goes the other way. It goes old time more than it does today. And, you know, if you're, if you're one of our younger fans and if you're debating that in your mind as to whether or not I can be telling the truth, there's this beautiful invention. It's called YouTube. Go on it and go look at some of the old time guys and go look at Gordy Howe and how he played. And, uh, and, and many guys like that, you'll, you'll see, you'll see I'm right. Again, <laughs> speaking of right, what a segue. So good. I just made an incredible segue there, and part of it was accidental. Part of it's just natural, I got to say. Tom Wright sent me this question uh, prior to last week's Monday mailbag, but I couldn't get him the answer before last Monday. So I held on to it, and... I've got the answer for him. I, I should say I could have given him an answer, but I couldn't give Tom the answer the way that he was hoping I would give him the answer. And I didn't want to let him down. I never want to let any of you down. So uh, I make every attempt to get it done the way you would like to have it done. So let me play this from Tom and then we'll get the answer. All right, Bob. So here's the thing. The last time you had me on your show with a question, you had Nick Felino answer my question about his wraparound goals. And that was incredible. But you're setting the bar really high. And so because of that, I'm shooting for the moon this time. Um, and I can tell you right now, like, that, I, I, I mean, I could tell you that it made my day or made my week, but I'm still smiling about that, about, like, <laughs> about hearing my voice on your show and then hearing Nick Felino's voice bragging about bragging a little bit about it and then holding holding Bjorky up there with him like that was it's just the best but I'm just gonna jump into my question because it's a little long-winded stick with me I do have a point um so February of 2020 I was promoted to a managerial position uh, where I would be managing about 10 people in a retail environment. As you can imagine, I wasn't prepared for the global pandemic that was about to take place and really, really affect uh, retail uh, spaces. Uh, and it was, it was, it's been really tough, but we're doing really well. 
uh, even despite all this. And I'm really proud of that. But I, th- I think some credit is due. Like I listened to you and your tor- your talks with Torts. And honestly, I think that Torts has been somewhat of a role model for me. I think that he's very, uh, he's very good at communicating about being a leader of the Blue Jackets. Uh, about setting expectations and holding people to those about experiencing success as a team or failures as a team and adjusting as a team and also uh, just about what his idea of success is and how he expects to get there. And I I have found all of that so valuable just as, just in my little like commute to work or whatever where I hear you guys. And my question for you is... If Torts could give a piece of advice to a person starting out in a leadership position, what would he give them? What what sort of advice would he give them? Um, like I said, you set the bar really high, and now I'm shooting for the moon. I'd love to hear what Torts has to like, what his thoughts are on this. But yeah, thank you, Bob. Thank you for for doing what you do. You have been. A ray of sunshine on a very gloomy year, and I appreciate having having your radio show as a little bit of a distraction, and I know it's probably not easy to pick up the mic every day, but I appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. Tom, thank you. I appreciate that coming from you. And now, because you requested it, I'm ready to take you to the moon because I am asking your question to John Tortorella. I had a guy that sent me a a question. His name is Tom. And right before the pandemic started, he got a job as a a supervisor. And he literally said to me that listening to our conversations and listening to your views on leadership has really inspired him. Now, he, he honestly wants to know, what would your advice be to somebody that is just starting out in a leadership position like he is? He wants he's just looking for some tidbits as far as, you know, he likes your accountability and the way you treat everybody the same and, and you set a standard. So what's your advice to somebody just starting out in a leadership role? Yeah. And and I'll go, I'll go a different way. What I think is a very interesting point. And I go through it too. It's the the accountability and holding to a standard. That's pretty much, that's a given if you're going to be a leader. Okay. I mean, that has to be done. My daughter is a school teacher. She, she teaches a group of children, very important job. My son is a leader of men in, in the army. And I, what I tell them, it's whenever you feel a little bit nervous about a situation that you're really not sure what to do, don't ever let them see you be nervous. You always have to have command of the room. You always have to have those people know that you're in full control of where we want to go here. You may not be in your mind. You may be a little nervous and really tentative about where you can't show your people that you are, that you're still kind of, I'm not sure what to do here. You can't do it as a leader. And Bobby, I still go through that. And when I'm in a situation and I'm really not sure what to do, you can't show, you have to, you have to have the projection and the, and the, uh, the body language and everything about it, that this is the way we're going to try it here, boys or, or, or girls or whatever it may be, or women. Uh, I think it's a really important point of, 
of people leading people. And uh, my son and daughter, we've had so many conversations about this and they've been nervous. And it's, it's not a bad thing to be nervous and you're really not sure. But when you're, you're in charge of people, you make sure you listen to them and you make sure you project yourself that we are, you're confident about how we're gonna to try to solve this. I, I, that's a, that's a, I love answering questions like that because you're vulnerable as a leader. Don't think because you pound your chest someday and you're, and you're, and you're all this, that you think you have all the answers. You need to listen to your people and there are gonna be times that there's a vulnerable situation and you're nervous about it, but you have to handle it the right way, but you need to let your people know, I got this, we're gonna, you, follow me, we're gonna do this together, but I'll lead the way. Uh, and I hope I, hope I answered the question correctly. That's, a, that's the best question you've asked me in two years. And it wasn't even my question. You believe that? I know you do. Yeah, <laughs> figure it out. Figure it out, it comes from someone else. <laughs> well, can you believe that these little conversations you and I have, how much they have, you know, permeated the walls there and, and it's even to the regular people. And I think that's a real tip of the cap to you and, and the way you carry yourself, because not only does it affect the people that you work with and the people that you're, you're leading, but yeah. uh, it gets out to other people too. So I, I, love, that. I, I love that, Bobby. And, 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 and I'll preface it. I, I make a lot of mistakes. Uh, leadership, you're going to make mistakes. It's how you correct it. Uh, and you have to admit you made mistakes and you have to listen to the people to try to solve some of these things as you're leading people. And no matter the business, I'm in a, I'm in a locker room, Tom's in a business, my daughter's in a, uh, in a, in a classroom, my son's in the field out in Afghanistan doing things. And I mean, this, these are all things that come into play as far as leadership. How great was that? And Cameron, I hope you were listening to that. That's the part that I wanted you to hear. John Tortorella being John Tortorella, not the coach, but the person. And the thing that really stuck out to me in that answer, and Tom, I hope you learned from this. When you're leading, you have to always project that you're sure of what's going on. And Cameron, this part's for you. Did you hear him say that as a leader, you make mistakes? Can you acknowledge those mistakes? Now to go back to your thing, he talked to Patrick Line the day after Line didn't play the rest of the game against Florida. He talked to him, pointed everything out, went through it, put him right back into position the next day. Oh, and by the way, since that time, the Blue Jackets have played two overtime games and Patrick Line has appeared in overtime in both of them. And oh, by the way, Cameron, one more thing for you. He didn't win the game with a shot. Okay? Could, but he didn't. So for this argument, it goes in my favor. He didn't win the game. But anyway, uh, but Tom, I hope you learned something from that. I did as he was answering that question. My favorite part is when he said, that's the best question you've asked me in two years. And it was Tom's question, not my question. <laughs> so, but again, he's a great human. And, and you can get frustrated, uh, as, as frustrated as you want to with him as a coach. And again, as I said earlier, you have every right. But this is where you get a peek behind the curtain as to what goes through the mind, the thought process of the decisions, and you get to find out who the person is. So, Cameron, you may have not have changed your mind, but I hope with some time from that loss on Thursday until Monday and hearing the coach talk in just normal terms, like a normal human being, I hope that's given you at least some, not change of heart, but 
some, uh, what do I want to say, a different view on it, different view on it. So, Tom, thanks for that. And I, I think you're out of requests, really. I got you the captain. I got you the coach. I, I mean, you know, at some point, your asks are too big. And that was a big one, and I made it happen, okay? But but I appreciate it, and uh, and thanks. Thanks for the kind words, and, and I'm really glad that that you listen to those conversations that I get with John Tortorella. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. My favorite part of a game day is when I get to talk to him one-on-one. It's when I get the most knowledge about the team. Um, it's when I get to, you know, kind of, as he says, when he talks about his players, you get to peel back the brain and figure out what's going on in there. So it's a lot of fun. So I'm glad that you appreciate that. I appreciate you and all of your questions. And remember, you can send them to me anytime you want. You know what was beautiful about this week? I got nothing on Twitter. And that's beautiful. I'm sorry. It is. Because everybody, I got emails and I got voice memos. So everybody thought out their question. Everybody put effort into what they did. It wasn't 140 characters. It was more. It was passionate. It was. It's why I love doing this. It's why I love you asking your questions and being able to answer and give feedback to stuff because of, of that passion and that, you know, that caring about this team and this organization. So thank you for all of that. But don't forget, you can send me questions anytime on Twitter. You can do it at Bobby Max Sports. My email for voice memos or for uh, short videos. Uh, Bobby Mac, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C at bluejackets.com is where you can find me there. So uh, feel free to do that. And we'll do this again next Monday with another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets have off until Thursday when they start a four-game series with the Carolina Hurricanes. You heard me, four-game series. A lot could be decided over the course of of these next four games. We shall see. In the meantime, enjoy the couple of days off. I will. See, I'm relaxed today, ready to just take a breath and enjoy things. Oh, by the way, one more thing. Uh, congratulations to Toledo St. Francis de Sales yesterday morning over at the Ice House. They beat St. Edwards, Lakewood St. Ed's out of Cleveland for the uh, Ohio High School State title. Two to one was the final. It was a great game. I broadcast the game along with former Blue Jacket, Mark Latestu. It was his broadcasting debut this weekend. It was great. It was fun. It was fun to work alongside a friend and do games like we did in the Ice House. And it was a great championship game. So congratulations to Chris Varga, the head coach there at Toledo St. Francis de Sales, and all of the team members. And they have a lot of underclassmen. They could be back there again next year. So that'll put the wrap. On the weekend, enjoy your couple of days off. The Blue Jackets back on the ice on Thursday in Carolina. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.